Hey everybody, welcome to this first episode of Rhythm 67 for the year 2018. Uh, took a long break from producing uh, a podcast from last year and want to get back started again in this year. So Rhythm 67 podcast is designed for parents uh, to give you some insight about what we're learning here at First Baptist Church every week, but also uh, to give you some insights about what's going on in youth culture, uh, what's going on with your uh, son or daughter, uh, and how you can engage them with the truth of the gospel every week. Because here's the, here's the fact of the matter. Here's just a simple fact. You are the number one disciple maker. You are the one who determines whether your child will follow Christ for a lifetime or they won't. Uh, there's not really two options. There's not any more than two options. They're either going to follow Christ or they won't, and they're going to base that decision upon how you train them and how you raise them. There's no other way to say it. There's no soft way to say it. Uh, it's your uh, responsibility uh, as parents to raise your uh, children as Christ followers if you are, in fact, a Christ follower. So this podcast is designed uh, to give you some pointers, to give you some help in doing that. Uh, and what I'm going to do this week is share with you what we're learning uh, on Wednesday of this week, and then you take that information and you can ask some questions around it. Um, you can help reinforce some of the things we talk about here, or even use that to venture out in some conversations uh, that we don't get the opportunity to have here at church, but you can uh, use those conversations to disciple your son or your daughter your teenager, to be uh, a Christ follower in a deeper, more meaningful, and more powerful way. What I want to do right now is just remind you, it has been uh, since last year that we worked through some of these things. What is Rhythm 67 um, about? And, and Rhythm 67 comes from Deuteronomy 6-7. Um, and so we divide our time with our students, or at least try to identify some times with them when we can really have some time to interject uh, faith to them, ask some questions to them. So it, it goes like this. There are times when you sit together and we're talking about a meal time, whether you only get one meal a week or you get five meals a week together, uh, that you intentionally use that meal time, not just to eat, but to be together as a family and to engage your student, um, in a conversation that's meaningful and has an impact on them. So when you sit together is the first area that we try to identify. The other one is when you walk by the way. So this would be in a car ride. You know, the scripture says when you walk by the way, we don't walk anywhere any longer. So this would be when you're in a car, going for a car ride. Um, you can have these meaningful conversations with them. Then there's bedtime when you lie down. So there's in the evening time bedtime that you get the opportunity to say some final words to them that they'll go and lay in their bed thinking about. Now, you know that uh, if you're like me, uh, nighttime when you lay down, there's a few moments of thinking, reflecting on the day, and you go to sleep. If you can interject some words that are positive and encouraging and uplifting in that moment before they go to bed, maybe you pray together. Uh, maybe you pray for someone who's hurting together. Maybe you um, encourage them in some way however you choose to do that, at, at night, before they go to bed, you're saying something to them. Now, ideally, you're taking their phone from them. Uh, and a lot of parents aren't willing to do this, and I'm not sure why, but you're taking your their phone from them so that sleep is what they're going for and not further interaction. There are studies that prove, and I can link to those uh, in the show notes, there are studies that prove that those who stay on their phones after 8 p.m. get less sleep and also get a less deeper sleep. I don't know if that's the way to say that, but their sleep isn't as deep uh, and they're not as rested in the morning and not as prepared for the day. So, um, And then on top of that, just um, the opportunities they have 
with their phones at night unsupervised is just uh, mind-blowing that parents don't control that a little more uh, than what they do. Um, and on that subject, while we're there, uh, I just recently, um, for my own daughter, who's now a teenager, um, got the app R-Pact, O-U-R-P-A-C-T, and it actually puts software on her phone that gives me control of her phone. So I can turn off any app at any time uh, and shut those down. She has no access to them. Uh, I love it. She respects it. She doesn't like it, but she knows it's necessary. We've had that conversation uh, with her. So I would encourage you to look for Our Pact, O-U-R-P-A-C-T. It is very helpful uh, in controlling the time uh, your student uses their phone. The reason we use it is because I would just take it away at night. Uh, but she uses her phone as an alarm, so I can leave the alarm app on there. It still works. I can leave the phone app on there. She can still call if she needs something, uh, if she needs someone, but uh, everything else turned off. It allows you to set a schedule, so I set a schedule on there. Everything goes off at 9 p.m. when she used to go to bed. Everything turns back on at 6 p.m. The only problem that I found with the app is that it scrambles all her apps, which is not a big deal, um, but um, if she has her apps in folders. It takes them out of those folders, which is frustrating for her. Uh, But other than that, it is very useful and very helpful. I would encourage you to look at that, especially for kind of controlling that uh, bedtime uh, when the phone should be put away. And then last of all, when you rise up, this is the last part of the Rhythm 67 strategy based on Deuteronomy 6-7. In the mornings, uh, that's a good opportunity um, to, to share some um, meaningful words with them, some meaningful scripture for the day, uh, a thought for the day, uh, a saying for the day, anything like that that you can get them out the door um, encouraged uh, for the day as they as they go tackle the challenges of teenagehood, <laughs> being in junior high and high school. All right, so we kind of have this strategy when you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, and when you sit together for a meal at night. And I did those different. So it's when you sit together, uh, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. We have this strategy. So let's plug in some information that we're going to be talking about this week that you can then talk with them about. And we're reading Matthew chapter one uh, this week. They are to have read Matthew chapter one before they come on Wednesday night. Um, and there are some questions that I'll ask them uh, to engage them, and there are some truths that we're going to dig out together. So I'm going to share with you um, three of those main truths right now that you can um, engage your student with in conversation this week. The first thing in, in, in Matthew chapter 1 is uh, the genealogy of Jesus, and then we have um, the story at the end of that chapter 1 uh, of Mary and Joseph and how Joseph came to be obedient Um, to the Lord in his part in the birth of Jesus to Mary. Uh, We'll read that here in just a a moment. But here's the three points that I want to um, share with you that I'll be sharing with them this week. Um, One of them is why do we have this big, long list of names of people that uh, the teenagers don't really care about? I don't know who these people are. I know a few of them. David's in the list. Um, Abraham's in the list. Um, why do we have these other ones in there that I'm not really concerned about? Uh, and here's the point I'm going to share with them. Matthew points his readers to the ultimate hero to whom all those other stories pointed. Jesus was the goal to which Israel's lovingly uh, remembered history pointed. Uh, 
So there are names throughout that genealogy uh, that are well known. People will understand. People will know those. Uh, and to a Jewish reader, it would remind them of the greatness of their people. Uh, but Matthew wanted to lay out all these names to say there is one coming who is going to be the ultimate, the ultimate hero, the ultimate savior, and that person is Jesus. And that's what he does in that genealogy uh, there in Matthew chapter 1. But also in the genealogy, we see God's providence. And what's so interesting is um, Jewish people in particular believe that the bringing together of husbands and wives represented an act of divine providence. Some rabbis even called it a miracle as significant as the parting of the Red Sea. Because Jewish people viewed history in these terms, genealogies could represent to them a testimony of God's providence in their ancestry. And here, Matthew's genealogy climaxed in Jesus, and that would testify more eloquently concerning God's sovereign plan for history uh, in Christ. Now, that's a lot there, but basically the summary is, We see God's providence in the bringing together of men and women, husband and wife, and then their offspring, and then generation after generation, he brought those people together, ultimately bringing us to Jesus. And we see God's providence uh, in that God's control over his creation uh, and how that operates. And we're going to talk some about God's providence uh, tonight. Um, And then the third thing is we really see, we're going to hone in on this, uh, really the main point is we see the righteousness of Mary and Joseph. Um, Matthew portrays this young couple, a man and a woman. He focuses on the man, but also talks to the woman. Um, but he focuses on their righteousness and their righteousness before God. Um, so this is broken down into five points here. And I'll try to say them slowly, so if you want to write them down, that would be awesome. So the righteousness of Mary and Joseph. First of all, in a culture that valued the wisdom of age, Joseph and Mary's youth makes their piety all the more striking. So a man, a a young boy became a man about 13 in uh, Jewish culture and and would begin taking on adult responsibilities at the time and more so by the time they were 18, 19, and 20 and would be considered a man even at age 20. So by most estimations, Joseph was somewhere between 18 and 20 years old during this time. It was different for the female. Once the girl went through puberty, whatever age that was, could be 12 to 14, uh, she was considered a woman and and able to marry at that time. So Mary was by most estimates somewhere between 12 to 14, maybe 15 years of age at this time. So they were young, they were a young couple, and in a culture that valued wisdom that came with age, uh, they were really wise for their age. And so we see in that that it's possible Young people are capable of being faithful to God, even when everything else says no, that comes with age. We see that even a teenager can be faithful uh, to the Lord uh, through the actions and the reactions to their situation of Mary and Joseph. Second thing, under the righteousness of Mary and Joseph, Matthew portrays a couple who, far from being immoral before marriage, model sexual restraint. Now, they were betrothed to be married, but they were not yet married. And so when you're betrothed, you're to live as if you're married, but you are not yet married. So there's no consummation of the marriage. There's been no sexual activity. Mary remained a virgin up until uh, that time of their marriage. And even after, um, because we see they waited 
until after Jesus was born. So we see in this um, a commitment on the part of a man and woman um, to remain pure up until their marriage point, uh, to save themselves for one another. So some good discussions here. I won't have those tonight necessarily. I will make this point. We won't go in detailed discussion about that, but some great opportunities for you there to use Mary and Joseph as an example of two young people who were able to restrain themselves and stay faithful to God first and then to one another through their um, betrothal period up into um, their marriage and even after that. They were willing to and able to uh, restrain themselves. Great opportunity for discussion there uh, with your student. Maybe get them in the car. You know, we're talking about when you go by the way, you can get them in the car and and talk about this with them. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not the best time. I'll leave that open to you and you find those. Third thing under the righteousness of Mary and Joseph, uh, while Matthew allows a divorce is just under some circumstances, he shares the Jewish and biblical view that infidelity is always unjust. Uh, so this point, and what I'm saying here is Matthew does allow for divorce in his writing, saying that a man would give the woman a certificate of divorce and she would be uh, free. Uh, but in this, um, whenever uh, Joseph found out that Mary was with child, he could have put her away. He could have um, divorced her, um, separated from her, but the shame would have been upon her in that culture. Because it would, the assumption would have been that she uh, was unfaithful to Joseph. So instead of doing that, uh, Joseph went to dismiss her secretly. And what he was going to do was going to write her a certificate of divorce. She would go. She wouldn't carry the shame um, that he could have brought upon her if he had done this um, in front of everyone. Uh, and shame. So he wasn't going to do that. He was going to give her that divorce, and she was going to go away secretly. Um, but he chose not to do that. He chose to remain faithful because of the dream that he had. Um, Now, one thing to consider here is that they were both betrothed to be married forever, but the marriage had not yet been consummated. Mary had been promised to Joseph, and she kept herself for him. Now, the point I'm going to make with the students is we too have been promised to Jesus. We are betrothed, and we are waiting for him to return so that we might be made complete. So in the meantime... We're to live faithful to him. It's not fully, the relationship isn't fully consummated, as we would say in a marriage for us as believers in Christ, for these students who we'll be talking to uh, on Wednesday night. Your, your relationship with Jesus isn't yet in its fullness, but you are to live as if it is already. And that's really what we see in the betrothal period. The man and the woman are committed, not yet fully married, not yet consummated, but they're to live in that commitment uh, up until that point that it happens. So really a good point to make with the students tonight. Fourth thing, Joseph models the principles of justice tempered by compassion. Joseph's righteousness is emphasized by his wanting to send Mary away privately. He could have divorced her. We talked about this. And he could have even kept the dowry and the bride price that he had paid, but he did not do that. He's going to do it privately to minimize the shame that was brought upon her. By doing this, we see his compassion for her and thus his righteousness, that he he shared a desire to put her away privately, didn't do that. Um, So Joseph models the principle of justice tempered by compassion. And the fifth thing, Joseph values obedience to God above his own honor. And this is really significant for students to see tonight. 
When God reveals the truth to Joseph, he immediately believes and obeys God's will. Unbelievable as the truth would seem without a deep trust in God's power, Joseph's response to God's revelation reveals the depth of his trust in God, especially since the revelation was limited to a dream. Joseph's obedience to God cost him the right to value his own reputation. So here's what this this is saying, that Joseph was willing to sacrifice what people thought about he and Mary in their relationship uh, with her being pregnant before they were married. He sacrificed what people thought of him in order to be faithful to God. And that's what we need today. We need students who are willing to sacrifice what people think of them in order to follow Jesus. We need parents like you who are willing to sacrifice what people think about them in order to raise your children to be faithful uh, to Jesus Christ. We need that in our culture today. We need people who are willing to stand for Christ, who are willing to follow Christ wherever he may lead. We need people and families who are willing and able to do that. So these are just the five basic points. If you want the expanded view on these, expanded um, talk about these, ask your student. Uh, after Wednesday night, and they will certainly uh, be able to give that to you, hopefully. So hope this helps in your discussions with your teenager. Hope this is encouraging. Hope it is helpful as you um, sit together at a meal, as you walk by the way, drive in your car, as you lie down at night, and as you rise up in the morning, that you would be an encouragement uh, to them as you move along. All right, I want to wrap up with just one thing here, and it's a new app that you need to be aware of. Uh, The app is called Friendo, and I'll spell that for you. It's F-R-I-E-N-D-O, Friendo. This is a new social media quiz app, and it allows users to ask questions about themselves, send them to their friends, and then see how well they know you. Though the app is trending with younger teens There are several NSFW, which means not safe for work, categories um, of questions users can unlock, like MSFK, short for marry, sex, friend, or kill, or in bed I am dot, dot, dot. So it has these categories where they can ask these questions. Would you marry them? Would you have sex with them? Would you friend them? Or would you kill them? All of those (laughs) questions I don't want any teenager answering about another one. Or the topic would be, it would start out with the words, in bed, I am, dot, 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 and someone else would fill in the blank. Now, it's easy to see how teens can start with innocent questions and quickly spiral into dangerous territory. Um, So, read this, um, what was I going to say here? I'm sorry, I lost it a little bit. Uh, Ask your teen if they've used the app, if they know of the app. Ask them if they've unlocked some of these not safe for work categories, not safe for work and not appropriate for teens categories. Um, and just see if they've used it or have heard of the app yet. I haven't heard any students here in our community talking about Frendo as of yet. Um, but it's out there. Just want to make you aware of it. Maybe scan through their apps, uh, and see if it's made it to their phone. Just be aware of those things. Be aware of what they're doing on those and the information that they are being exposed to. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to Rhythm 67 podcast. Appreciate any feedback that you have. This one was just kind of put together today. And so so I could give you the information for Matthew chapter one that we'll be studying on Wednesday night. I hope it's helpful. I want to be helpful to you. I pray for you. I love you. And I want you to be the main disciple makers in your home to see your students faithfully follow Christ for a lifetime. God bless. 
Have a great afternoon, evening, or good night whenever you're listening to this. Have a good day. Thank you.